Rooster Tail Talk, a podcast dedicated to everything related to the sport we all love, hydroplane racing. I'm your host, David Newton, and it's time once again, so sit back, relax, and welcome to Rooster Tail Talk. It is June 9th, 2020, and this is episode 38. A few weeks ago, I talked with Katie Norton, president of Marshall County Convention and Visitors Bureau, as well as the race director for Lake Gunnersville's HydroFest. For the last two years, Gunnersville has been the first race for the H1 season. Unfortunately, this year, H1 is not able to go to Gunnersville, as well as many other race sites. But in talks with Katie, she was very optimistic for the next year. We talked about what it took for her to get the race on the schedule in Gunnersville, the challenges the race has presented, and what the future looks like for H1 in Alabama. I'm joined today by Katie Norton. Katie, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on the, on the show with us. I'm excited to talk about hydroplanes with you. I don't, I, don't know how much, uh, I don't know how much information I'll know about the boats themselves, but I can yeah. certainly talk about hosting a race. <laughs> well, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot in itself right there. That's a, that's a big part of it. Because <laughs> without the race, we don't have the boats, right? That's, that's true. Or vice versa. Without the boats, we don't have our race. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I know you're the president of the Marshall County Convention and Visitors Bureau, as well as race director for the Gunnersville race. Could you talk a little bit about your duties for each of those and how they complement each other? Sure. So our organization serves as the organizing body or fiscal body for the race. Um, our board of directors makes the major financial decisions. And, you know, we have a really strong partnership with the city of Gunnersville, who also provides both cash and in-kind support for the weekend event. And it really works well um, having the race under the CDB's umbrella. Um, we host events for our county all year. And we have a network of vendors that are already in place. You know, we have strong partnerships already in place with our police, our fire park and rec staff, marine police, and all the others that um, we really would have to reach out to to have a race. And I, I, I feel like that was a good decision. Uh, we have talked about, um, as the race grows, um, developing a 501c3 for the race itself. Uh, but right now, it maintains a separate checking account that still is underneath our fiscal body um, and our organizing body, the CDP. What, what is a 501 501c3, is that what you said? Yeah, so a 501c3 is a nonprofit organization, okay. and um, we have discussed creating, um, and, and, and that entity can uh, raise money and fundraise just like uh, we can, um, but it would allow that um, us to spin that event off into its own organization. And there are other race sites that are their own organization. I think Tri-Cities is its own organization. And so, you know, there is there has been some talk about doing that. Um, the, there are pros and cons to it. Um, and right now we're too new of a race site. We, we really need to build a reserve and mm -hmm. um, a core group of people who are going to stick with it long term before it could be rolled out from underneath our organization and, and really stand on its own two feet. But that would be the goal. Well, it sounds like you hold, host many different events in the area. What other events do you do you host? So we do the CBB. Um, you know, we ha we are the home of Lake Gunnersville. It's a sixty nine thousand acre uh, reservoir. Um, 
um, that is on the Tennessee River, and uh, we are known for bass fishing. Um, we're one of the uh, best bass lakes bass fishing lakes in the United States. And so we host quite a few professional and, um, and other angler events, uh, tournaments throughout the year. I guess our organization funds and hosts about 30 events a year for our community. Um, primarily, uh, sporting events. We have a huge sports complex here. And then of course, um, events on the water and uh, until we brought boat racing back primarily our events on the water were fishing tournaments although we do also have a wakeboard tournament that's been coming for 10 years here okay Mm -hmm. we have a lot of great things going on in the area then well we do we're a great destination yeah Yeah. (laughs) well it's i know it takes it takes a little bit to get a race together uh, especially at the level of unlimiteds so I was just curious, how did you start the process of bringing the boat race back to Gunnersville? Uh, what did that all entail? So I really got roped into it. Um, <laughs> Charlie Wiggins with <laughs> with Wiggins Racing, um, they're out of Rainsville, Alabama, which is about an hour east of here. And Charlie came and visited the mayor of Gunnersville. And the mayor and I went to high school together, and mm-hmm. we've stayed good friends. And so when Charlie came to see her, she said, you really need to talk to Katie at the CBB. And so he came to meet with me, and we just really started talking about what would it look like to have a race, you know. And, um, I, and I guess this was 2014, um, and we had not raced on our water since the late 80s. Um, but one of the big things that everybody told me when I took this job in 2013 was, we want the boats back, bring the boats back. And, oh, wow. and you know, so I had been in the position about a year when Charlie came to see me and we just really began to talk about it um, and what it would, what it would mean to bring the boats back and what that would all entail. And through Charlie, I then met Ted Grange, who at that time was operations director for H1 and Owen Blomman, who handled some of their marketing and media. And those two guys kind of began to steer me in the direction of, okay, this is what you're going to have to do to host a race. Uh, the biggest, obviously, the biggest thing was money, mm-hmm. and um, just, just to, you know, kind of put that in perspective, it costs about a half a million dollars to host a three-day racing event wow. here. Wow, um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, and so <clears throat> I went out and actually sought financial commitments to the tune of about a hundred grand before I even approached my board, mm-hmm. and so when I went to my board and said, hey, I've been meeting with these guys about boat racing. We would like to host a boat race event here, you know, bringing the big boats again, which at that time hadn't raced here since the Mm sixties. And, and, you know, I I was able to say to the board, okay, (laughs) I've raised a hundred thousand dollars toward this. And at that point, the board felt like, well, if we've got that kind of sponsorship money coming in, then clearly our community would support this event. And, you know, we just really then got down to the um, details at that point and began to work on it. Yeah. Well, it's glad you shared that number with me, how much it takes to, it costs it takes to, to host a race like that, because I don't think a lot of fans realize how, how much money it takes to put on an event to that caliber. Um, it's not just something you can throw together. No. And yeah. other cities may be different. They may have higher costs, depending on what kind of... Um, 
what they bring to their event venue, you know, what kind of entertainment mm-hmm. aspects they have. I know Seattle does a week-long event, you know. So everybody's budget, I guess, would be different. But for us to hold three days of racing and all the components that it takes, you know, um, everything from um, permitting, um, transportation costs, you know, hosting, uh, bringing the boats, the cost of the pits, just everything required. It, it runs about a half a million dollars. And, um, you know, um, there are a lot, and of course, so money for us in a small community like ours, that's a huge amount of money. I and mean, that's more than my whole general fund, you know, my yeah. annual general fund. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we're, we're a small community. I mean, I think our population in our um, community of Gunnersville is like 8,500 people. So, I mean, we're not a big city. And um, for us to generate that kind of money on one event, you know, it, took a lot, it takes a lot of work and a lot of planning and a lot of people being willing to do things for free or, you know, in kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and the city's been great with that. And, um, you know, we actually, besides just money we had some pretty big challenges like just getting permission to close the waterway and working through some of the red tape there mm-hmm. um we actually engaged in, in um, one of our state senators to help with that process because you know closing down a body of water um on the tennessee river is not the easiest thing we were able to actually host it inside an embankment which meant we didn't have to shut down the entire waterway system Okay. And um, and that worked out really well for us. But, you know, we had to kind of maneuver that process, and I had never done anything like that. <laughs> I mean, we get permits to host our fishing tournaments, but we had never shut down the water. And so, um, you know, that that was a huge hurdle that first year, going into that first year, to just get permission to do that. Well, I'm sure there were many other challenges you had to overcome to host one for the first time. But would you say, so you, it sounded like you start, started with conversations in 2014, and so it would take about four years, is that correct, to, to make the uh, race a reality? It did. Um, we actually hosted a test event or an exhibition race in 2017 just to, you know, see how things would work, the cranes, and, you know, generate some excitement for, with the media and the local fan base and um, really just give us a chance to figure out ourselves as far as pits are concerned and some of that. And so we hosted um, we hosted that in the summer of 2017, and then 2018 was our first three day race event. Like you said, it takes a lot to, to make it happen. It doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> so wh- <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> uh, well, I want to know what what kind of historical factor to bring racing back on Lake Randersville mean to you in the area, because like you said, the Limiteds last ran there in the late 60s. There was other classes racing up there until the late 80s. So it's been a while since boats have been on the on the water yeah it has in fact um an interesting fact i found out during this whole process now i mentioned that we're a reservoir on the tennessee river and when they built gunnersville dam and created our lake um the first summer that the lake was in existence was 1940 Uh, they finished completed the dam in 39 so in 1940 they hosted their first boat race so the first event held on our waterway was a boat race wow um, obviously not the big boats. Um, we had small boats racing. Um, so our history of boat racing goes all the way back to 1940. And, you know, we held a regattas here um, every year except for 1942 through 45, and they suspended it during World War II um, and then brought it back. So um, it's been one of those 
I don't know, it's, it's part of our history. It's been one of those summer events that people who grew up here uh, um, really looked forward to over the years. And, you know, families would come home and, and be here for that race weekend. And um, it was just part of our um, part of our community. And um, we didn't host the H1s until the 1960s. Um, we hosted the National Inboard Championship in 54, 57, and 62. Um, but then in the 1960s, we really um, got um, the big boats here at that point. And I think, I think it was 1962 that Roy Duby set the straightaway record with the Miss US one. Yeah. Um, yeah, and was... actually that record I think still stands today because it was it was a record that was set with a piston powered um, craft which, you know, they don't run on piston powered anymore. Yeah, yeah, he went over two hundred miles an hour down there and uh, I think a few other teams came down there afterwards, uh, to that lake to try to break the record, but I don't think they they were not able to, to break it. No, and we um, I think 63 was our first unlimited boat race. Um, they raced for the Alabama Governor's Cup um, that year, and the Miss Bardall U40 was the winner. It's a huge part of who we are down here. Well, it's I know from talking with other people, so I haven't had a chance to come down there to that, that lake. It's on my uh, on my list to do. Hopefully next year we'll, we'll be kind of back to a, our old normal selves and we can go out, get out and travel and do more things like that. But uh, it sounds like it's a great event and it's kind of a beautiful race site from what I've been told. Well, we're proud of it. I mean, we're a little partial to our community, but um, <laughs> it is a beautiful area. Um, our lake, um, our city sits as, as a peninsula. Um, mm -hmm. So the lake surrounds the city on all sides. And, um, you know, we have... Um, Lake Gunnersville State Park here, and um, so we just, it, it is a beautiful community, so there's lots for people to do if they come to visit, um, outside of just the boat race, you know, if they, yeah. I know um, we've had folks travel from as far as the West Coast, and that's a long, that's a long way to go for a, a three-day weekend, but, you know, there are other things to do here, so some people just make it a vacation and stay for the week, or, um, you know, more, you know, if you come a little early or stay a little after, there's plenty to do. Yeah, it sounds sounds like a good time there. Well, I want to know on a personal level, how having the boats there for a few years now, how big of a fan are you and your family of H one? So, um, me not so much. Not that I don't love the boats, <laughs> but I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't really have a fan favorite. I don't okay. really fall. I mean, uh, but my husband and son, it didn't take them long to um, to become just avid racing fans. And um, my son is now fifteen, and you know, in the planning of this, we went both, I think it was 17, 16 and 17, we went back-to-back -back years um, to the Madison race and really fell in love with the city of Madison and um, just have a little place that we stayed both years. We love it there. And uh, we went we went and, and really watched from behind the scenes. I was there working, and they were just there to have a good time, mm -hmm. um, but... Um, it really built their enthusiasm for racing. And my husband actually serves as our pit boss here and um, has gotten to know the teams and, and their crew members um, just and has built some really great relationships. Uh, I mean, you know, we, and I have too. Uh, it's amazing how um, the boat racing community is so much of a family, an extended family, and, you know, we just have really good uh, friends all across the board. If I had to guess, I would say my son's favorite team is the U11. 
Okay. okay. He, um, he's made a lot of friends on the Rainey's crew, mm-hmm. and um, so if I had my guess, I, I don't know. It could be that they let him sit in the cockpit and fire the boat <laughs> last year, but I mean, I don't know if that's... That, that's that, the reason or not. But. <laughs> that might push him over the edge if he got to do that, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're great people, that organization. The, the Rainies are great people, great for the sport. So he uh, he picked a good one with that team. Yeah, but they both, both of my guys, they follow it. And, and, you know, if I need an update, they're the ones that are going to give it to me because <laughs> before I could catch something, I mean, you know, we're the first race of the year. And so we follow the the season of course throughout the rest of the year and yeah. and um and we we watch the races online and i mean it's it's become part of um you know what what our family and then, of course dave and i have been um we we've traveled we've seen the sites um the race sites themselves in tri-cities and seattle but we have not been to those races and it is on our bucket list to go my son really wants to go to tri-cities race and so it's on our bucket list, and we'll see. Maybe in the next couple of years, we can get up there for a race. Yeah, well, hopefully, you guys can make that happen. It's uh, they're both great, great events for different reasons, but they put on a good show, oh. and it's a, it's it's a fun it's a fun event as well. Well, I know this year you had to make the tough decision cancel the race for 2020 because of all the COVID 19 pandemic going on right now. How hard was that to make that call for you in your in your organization? Well, it was a tough call to make, and I, you know, I know that the. But the, I will say this. Let me say this first, just straight out. The fans have been hugely supportive of that decision, and yes. you know, it, it, we didn't want to have to cancel. But spring is our fundraising time, and we just didn't believe that it was appropriate to be out in our community asking for money when so many of our businesses were closed and struggling. And we, we believe that, you know, in a community atmosphere, there's times when the community to support you and there's times for you to support the community. And for us, this spring and, and in our, and kicking it off our summer season, it's our time to support our community. And, um, you know, our sponsors have supported us for two years, and we don't have any doubt that they'll be back in 2021. In fact, we had already started some of our fundraising and all of our sponsors who had committed for 2020 said, Hey, keep it. And, and, and we're, we'll be with you in 2021. Okay. So, I mean, just the overall support there. Yeah. It was just, was really amazing. I mean, um, but we, we just believe that, you know, we made the right decision and as things have played out, I mean, we made that decision early on when we mm-hmm. saw things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and now looking back over the past two months, we know that it was absolutely the right decision to make. I mean, because, our fan base is nationwide, and there are so many states that aren't opening travel yet and may not open travel in enough time for people to regroup and make the trip here. And with, without the ticket sales, you know, our event would not be successful either. So it's a, it's a combination of ticket sales and sponsorships, and if people aren't coming to the race because travel restrictions or, you know, some underlying fear there of travel – we knew that we wouldn't have a successful race. And when you're new, this would have been our third year, you know, you really have to have several years of successful races to ensure that you're going to have a lifetime of racing. Mm -hmm. And so our goal isn't just to have a one and done. Our goal is to have racing here every year for, you know, for future years. And so this was the right decision for us to make. Oh, I I definitely agree. It was the right decision. Uh, And it, like you said, it, it is a two-way street between the sponsors and the community and 
and every, everyone working together. So it's it's nice to hear that, you know, you're giving back in that sense and, and making sure everyone is, is safe for this year. Is it, it boils down to people come first before racing or any other events, right? we got to make sure we take right. care of others. Right. So. Absolutely. Well, looking towards 2021, how do you see this affecting the race for next year? Um, well, you know, I really don't. I, I think um, because our sponsors stayed with us and said, hey, just, you know, transfer our commitment to 2021. I mean, we're really, <clears throat> I don't know, way ahead of the game and, and as far as fundraising is concerned for next year. And um, our... Um, contracts with our uh, racing um, entities everybody was great to allow us to transfer that to 2021 um so so really i think you're not going to see much difference i think we're gonna you know we've we're just gonna we're looking at it as we've had two years to work on one year (laughs) (laughs) rather than trying to put a race together in nine months we're getting you know eight you know we're getting a little bit longer to work on it so yeah well it's it's good good to take the positives from it it's uh you don't always get that much time to prepare for something, correct? Right, yeah. I mean, we we literally come off the event. It takes us about three to four weeks to clean up all the paperwork, um, you know, respond back to our sponsors, look at our economic impact, and then you're on to the, by then, you're at the end of summer, and you're, you know, already thinking about fundraising in the fall because people are doing their budgets for the next fiscal year. So you're, I mean, we go straight into the planning for the next year as soon as we complete um, a race we're planning yeah. for the next race so um this get kind of gave us a little bit of breathing room you know david newton here listeners i really hope you're enjoying the podcast rooster tail talk is a free podcast that runs off of well basically a teacher's salary and contributions from our listeners if able please show your support to make a contribution please visit our website of roostertailtalk.com and find the support tab thank you now let's get back to our program. Volunteers are a big part of putting on H1 races, not just in Lake Gunnersville, but all around the country, all the races. How, how many volunteers does it take to put on a race to this caliber? Uh, yeah, we, we have around 200 local volunteers who help make our event successful. Um, we ran a three-day event for um, 18 and 19, but in 2021, our format is going to go to a two-day race. Um, the attendance just isn't strong enough on Friday to justify the cost of having a third day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we feel like we'll be more fiscally responsible and, and really set ourselves up for um, success if we go to a two-day. Um, but uh, So our volunteer numbers may fluctuate based on that. But, you know, our volunteers help out in a wide variety of ways, from working the gates to helping out in the pits. Um, we have uh, uh, our local a local association that is all volunteer that helps man the waterway and the race course perimeter. Um, and then of course our whole planning committee is volunteer, um, outside of police fire, some of the city services, everybody else is a volunteer that serves. And, um, you know, we shouldn't do this without them. Yeah. They are integral to the success of this event. Well, it sounds like, like you really have a lot of things in store for next year, um, in, in planning for the, the year or three of the race. Is there, is there anything else you're, you're planning on adding to the weekend festivities other than kind of condensing it down to a two-day event? Um, well, we were working. We, we sit about 30 minutes from Huntsville, um, which obviously the Space and Rocket Center is there. Redstone Arsenal is there. 
Um, NASA is housed there. And so we have just a huge military presence in our community. And we were working on some things with our military, both with our National Guard and the Army and some other uh, working with Redstone. So, so we had some things planned for 2020 that we hope will transfer to 2021. Um, but we're adding some military appreciation components to our event weekend and, and just working closely with the military bases to um, reach out to some of our active duty and their families. So we had some things like that that we were uh, working on for 2020, and our plan is to continue to develop those relationships and um, maybe look at adding some some fun military components to our weekend event next year. Yeah. Hopefully that'll work out and we can make it even that much better for 2021. Yeah. Yeah, we hope so. Hmm. You know, each site is different and has different things on land. Um, that uh, are draws for the ticket holders as well. And um, we're, we're, we're trying different things out. We've held concerts. Um, we've, we've done some different things, and we're just kind of judging, um, seeing what works, what doesn't work. Um, and I think, you know, uh, over the course of time, you, you figure out what works best for your community and your race event. And um, I have to say, commend Kathy at Tri-City. She's been great to, as a mentor as we walked ourselves through this process. It, you know, we, we ask a lot of questions of her, uh, you know, how does Tri-City handle everything from group block ticket sales to, you know, what do you have in your venue on land that attracts people? I mean, she has been a great mentor to help walk us through that process. And one of the things that she told me is, you know, every, you know, for a while we tried something. If it didn't work, we tried it a different way. And so we've not been afraid to try something, and if it didn't work, to cut it out because, you know, we're just trying to shape our event. And I think it's going to take three to five years to really shape our event and get it where we want it to be and, and help help it be financially successful, but also, you know, have all the components and all the contacts and all the things involved that, that make it that, um, that event that people want to go to every year and that they look forward to every year. Yeah, and I know I know Kathy is a wealth of knowledge and so influential there and at the waterfalls in Tri City. So I'm glad to hear you've been working closely with her and I think reaching out to others and collaborating so much it just makes it such a a better event overall. Yeah, and I mean um, Madison was the same way. Matt wasn't in Madison when uh, we first got started, but they were great to let us come and just kind of be behind the scenes. And we we interviewed and talked to everybody from there pit tour folks to their volunteers working their gates. I mean, we we really did our homework um, before we hosted our first event in 18. And, and, this, and the other sites were great to allow us to ask a lot of questions. And they shared things, the good, good and the bad, the struggles, the challenges, um, and the successes. So that we, you know, and I think that's great because while boat racing is obviously a competitive sport, and even among us sites, we're competitive um, you know, there is this family feeling and there's this willingness um, amongst everyone to share ideas and, and to help out if, if, a, if a, you know, and I, I never felt like I couldn't call another site and say, hey, you know, what do you do about this? How do you handle this? Um, and, and they've all been great. So Yeah. Well, you mentioned that something, I think in every interview I've done so far, people always mention about how big, the feeling of family is in sport of hydroplanes. It's uh, it's nice to hear it's on all ends, not just drivers, crew, but it's also organizations, events, uh, the race sites. It just everyone feels like it's one big family. 
Yeah, I mean, and you know, you you build in in our business anyway in the tourism world. You know, you build contacts and you you try to host. You, you find events that work for you and you try to host them uh, year after year. So you're not reinventing um, your event plans and things of that nature every every year. And um, with the boat racing, it's been really great because you know we have developed that friendship among the other sites and the and the organizers along with the, the boat teams and you know even even at APBA um I'm sure Cindy as soon as she picks up the phone and I say hey Cindy she's like oh god it's Katie from Guttersville <laughs> um but <laughs> she's been great so you know I mean because I, I really came into this our our city and, and and myself as the organizer and the race director we, we came into this with no history I mean, it wasn't like somebody had built a binder and said, hey, two years ago or five years ago, here's what we did. I mean, we, we had to start from scratch. And yeah. so everybody's been very, very helpful. And, and you know, I just, I, I don't know if it's like that every, in every sport, but for sure in boat racing it is. And I'm thankful for that. It definitely brings a lot to the table when it, there is such a big feeling of family. Um, because I think it is is unique. That I don't think every sport sporting event is is uh, has such an emphasis as that does in hydroplanes. Well, I, I'm really interested... I want to talk about a little bit about the marketing strategies you've had for the race. Uh, it always, marketing through the sport intrigues me, um, hearing from the different a- uh, avenues for that. And I understand that you've had some different ways you promoted the race. You've had local TV coverage through the regional Fox Sports. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the, your efforts with the different promotions that you've done for the, the race there. Yeah, I mean, each year we've tried different things. Um, it's, it's so hard to know what the best avenue is for promotion. Um, we've done everything from billboards, television ads. Um, we bought some commercial time in front of, in some of our larger media um, movie theaters in like Nashville, Chattanooga, Atlanta. When some of the big, the very first year, I think there was a Star Wars release coming out, and, and right, we bought uh, commercial time um, in front of that in those theaters. Um, it's, you know, for us, it's it's almost as much brand building uh, and just getting some name recognition for our event as it is selling tickets. And so we, we had kind of a dual purpose. We had to build our brand because nobody knew what Gunners Lake Hydra Fest was, and then we had to also sell tickets. And so... Um, it's been a challenge, to be honest, on how best to market this event. But we've tried a lot of different things. And then last year, um, we did a 30-minute television show working with Romsburg Media out of Pennsylvania. And um, I think it worked out really well. We reached over 39 million households through the airing of that show on Fox Southeast Sports. And and what that does is it just really kind of gives us that exposure um, in a regional, and, and, and they've been able to kind of get it, it's, it's been played outside of the Southeast, which has been um, really awesome for us because, you know, all the race sites are all over the country, and, and so there's fans everywhere, and um, for us, that's helped us reach a nationwide audience. We've also done some television ads through Spectrum, which, you know, then our commercial ran on, um, on platforms like ESPN, um, in front of some other sporting events that were pretty popular here in, in the Southeast. And, and it allowed us to kind of reach that market demographic that we, we feel like are, are purchasing our tickets. Um, we had started this year 
partnering with some of our, uh, like we were doing a partnership with our hockey team. Uh, we have a, we have professional hockey in Huntsville, mm-hmm. very popular. And we were doing some promos there, um, exposing the brand and, and doing some ticket giveaways and some promos there. And that was looking to be very successful. Of course, mid-season, they had to close their season down. Um, and we have a brand new minor league team, baseball team, that was due to have their first season this, this summer in Huntsville. And so, you know, we're looking to, we're trying some new things with sponsorships of our own, partnering with some of our sports entities. Because, you know, if, if you like competitive sports, chances are you're going to like competitive racing. And so mm-hmm. we, we've been reaching into some of those demographics to see, can we build our fan base? You know, for us, it's really about building a fan base because we're a new site. Well, do you feel those efforts have paid off? Have you seen an increase of fans attending from the first year to second year? Uh, we have. Our first year, our attendance <clears throat> was higher out of state. We sold more um, our out-of-state ticket sales uh, went down a little bit in year two. And I think part of that is because a lot of people who are fans, who are in the older demographic, remembered racing here before, and they might have made that inaugural trip in 18 because it was the first race since the 60s, and so they came. But, you know, we knew that those folks might not come every year. I mean, we're not going to get a huge contingency coming from um, California and Washington State to our race every year. And so that first year, we had a lot of those kind of folks, and, and we loved it. We were we were tickled to have them. But we saw that some of our um, out-of-state ticket sales went down a little bit in, in year two, but we still had the same number of people attending the race. Um, we, when we did our economic numbers, you know, we saw 24 states. We sell our tickets online, so we have the ability to really track that and know where we're selling tickets to and who. Um, and so, um, but our top feeder markets for ticket sales were Birmingham, Alabama, which is about an hour and a half from here, and Atlanta, which is about a three-hour drop from here. Okay. So those two markets were the, the – we had the most tickets sold in those two markets. Um, which is very interesting. So, you know, we're, we're looking at all our stats each year and how they are changing, and, and, and then we, we look at those stats, and then that's how we determine, okay, what markets do we already have a pocket of fans in, and how do we grow that market? And that's how we determine where, where and how to advertise okay. for the next year. Well, I, it's nice to hear that you're, you're getting more people from, from the region attending the race. Hopefully next year you can even have – larger numbers, but people uh, get excited to see some racing out there. Yeah, we, we, we hope so. We're, you know, we, we think that we put on a good show. Um, it's a good weekend <laughs> of it. The ticket prices are reasonable, and, you know, we have a great community with all the, a variety of um, lodging opportunities. You know, we have hotel, brand-name hotels. We have a lot of VRBOs. We have cabin rentals. We have a state park with a lodge and camping. We have a lot of campgrounds on the water. So, I mean, we, we, we have a lot of options to offer um, folks who come to our race places to stay and eat. Um, so we hope that um, the fans that we are building, you know, that our race becomes something that they look forward to doing every year, almost like we look forward to going to Madison. I hope they, they look forward to coming to Gunnersville, and it becomes just something that they do in the summer. Yeah. I know hosting... Well, I mean, doing anything in life, you are presented challenges, but in the first two years of hosting this race, I know you had some challenges 
and you mentioned some earlier. I was just curious if you had any other challenges that presented itself. Well, I mean, weather. I mean, it's an outdoor event, so weather is always and will, will always be our biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, first year, we had uh, we had tornado warnings, and um, it was funny because in the planning of this event, our EMS director said, you know, we really need to have a weather plan. And we had gone round and round about this. You know, what would it look like? And mm-hmm. I ended up having to write like a four-page document. And I thought, you know, I, we, we joked about it. I'm like, we're never going to put this in place. And <laughs> I mean, all the way down to like, you know, what would we do with lightning? And if, if we were under a certain uh, warning level, um, would we transport off-site all of our people, or would we keep them there? How would we house? I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> in year one, um, we had a tornado that was bearing down on us. And, and Alabama, I mean, you may or may not know this, but Alabama is prime for tornadoes. Yeah. And so when those warnings <laughs> come out, it is no joke. And, and we, we don't mess around with it. And so we had a tornado warning our first year. And so we had to evacuate our entire venue. And Damn. It was funny because I called, um, I'm a staff of two, so we, the CVB has a staff, a paid staff of two. So I called um, John Davis on the radio. He is my, um, he, he's my staff member and he's in charge of gates. And so I called him and I said, John Davis, you remember when I joked around and said, if we ever had to put this um, weather plan into place, it would be hell. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, welcome to hell. <laughs> And he just died. He was like, oh, my God. And I said, so have your come apart and head to gate three. And by the time you get there, you got to have your stuff under control. And he was like, after it was all said and done, we evacuated about 8,000 people. It happened on Friday. We evacuated about 8,000 people from our venue. Everything ran like clockwork. Everybody did exactly what they were supposed to do. Everybody knew exactly what they were supposed to do. And it just went really, really smooth. And so, you know, for your first year event to have to evacuate your entire venue under a tornado warning, I was like, by golly, I think I could do anything if I could do that. (laughs) Well, it's a good test for being prepared, right? Yes. And, you know, even though I complained about having to put together and have so many conversations about um, a weather plan and an evacuation plan, um the very first year, the very first day, we had to put it into place. So, um, you know, for anybody who's planning an event, please have a weather plan because, and make sure that all the people on your team know what they're supposed to do during the weather plan. Year two, we had some wind, um, but for the most part, we, we raced all three days and had no evacuation issues. We did, we did have to ask some of our tent tents to lower their tents. Um, we had some wind pick up, you know, but um, we actually have the weather service out of Huntsville, uh, the National Weather Service folks out of Huntsville on site during our race, and oh, wow. um, and we monitor that very, very closely, yes. Uh-huh. Well, it's, it's nice to hear you're taking that so serious. Um, I mean, just thinking about that, that tornado experience, uh, that scare the first year, and you, you spoke about there being so many people from out of state. Um, I imagine if, like, I was down there and there was a tornado warning, I've never been around a tornado before. I have no idea what's going to happen or to expect only from movies, so it's uh, it's good that uh, you, were, you guys were prepared for that because I'm sure a lot of people didn't know what to do in that, in that situation. Yeah, and, you know, it was interesting because we, we had determined we our, our event venue has no parking. There, it's along the city park. Uh, it's a city park. There's no public parking, and so we have public parking lots off-site, and we bus everybody in. 
And so our plan was that we would call our buses in, all the buses from all over the city, off all their routes, and we would bring them in. And then we had someone that was over the parking lot areas, and their job was to notify the parking lots that that the people who were in the parking lot needed to shelter in cars, shelter in place. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of those phone calls were made within a 10-minute period, and all of our buses came came in um, and lined the street there outside the venue gates, and we loaded everyone onto the buses. And based on the uh, recommendations from the Weather Center, we we maintained those buses in place. We didn't we didn't transport people anywhere. We kept them on property because um, we were able to monitor the system and know that it wasn't coming straight for us. And then it ended up that we got some pretty heavy rain and wind, but the tornado, as as you know how these systems are, they will sometimes break apart. Sometimes they will go a different direction. And this one actually broke apart and kind of split. And we were in the middle of the split when the <laughs> when the weather system did that. Yeah. And um, But the city just 45 minutes to our north had hail and, and damaging winds. Um, I mean, winds over um, 100 miles an hour. So we, we, we made the right decision, but we did shelter in place um, for that. And, and it worked out really well. And then when the weather passed, we were able, I guess we, eva we, we evacuated everybody um, into a safe area, and then we were able to let them back into the venue two hours later. So I think we ended up about a two-hour delay. Well, that's uh, that just goes to your preparedness on on how to handle that. Could have been much worse, right? Yes, and it's and it is very important. I mean, you know, when 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 the fans think about, oh, you know, I'm going to a race, and we want the fan experience to not have to worry about any of that. We want all that to happen seamlessly behind the scenes. We want them to come and walk through the gates and just enjoy themselves. But there is so much planning that goes on behind the scenes that you know just the regular ticket holder wouldn't have any idea about um and if it doesn't if our pl if your planning isn't in place the ticket holder is going to know about it because it's going to be a bad experience and if the planning is in place and works like it should then the hope is that the fan will will not leave your event with a negative feeling that they would have had a good experience despite things like weather and evacuation and rain and things that you have no control <laughs> over um <laughs> well, and speaking with some of the fans that have been there, they, they had a good time. So I think you're doing some good things there. I hope so. We hope so. One last question before I let you go. You are, you hold a, a big presence in the community. I know you have a good sense of the community there. What does it mean to have H1 race there in Marshall County? Uh, I think there's this, this, really there is a huge sense of pride. Um, our community being the size of the community. I mean, we're the smallest community that hosts an H1 race. I mean, okay. when I said, hey, we want to host this race, and they were like, well, where else do they race? And I said, San Diego and Seattle and Detroit. <laughs> they were like, what? Like, we can't do that. <laughs> we don't have that kind of capability. I'm like, yes, we can. So, I mean, there's just a sense of pride, I think, locally for um, the fact that our community can come together and and everybody has ownership in it. Um, I've seen just you know just a huge outpouring of support and ownership in the races um, and having it, even to the point that we shut down a road up, and, and the people who live along that road are like, we love this event. Like they, <laughs> they they don't care that we shut down transportation to and from their homes, and they have to get permitted and they have to get stopped and show their permit for four days. You know they they love it, and I I think that. You know, that 
we we set out to make this a community owned event. We want the entire community to feel like Gunners or like Hydrofest belongs to them. And and I think that they do. I, I think that we've if we've done anything right, it's that we've built that pride in this event through our community. And I hope that our community continues to support it and love it um, as much as those of us who, who work, you know, on it. it. It's just, yeah, I, it's been good. It's been really good for our, for our community, for our, for our lake and our, you know, not just the city of Gunnersville, but the county. We yeah. have four cities within our county, major cities within our county, and they all benefit. Okay, that, that's, that's great to hear. Well, I look forward to, to many prosperous years in the future, Lake Gunnersville with H1. You know, wish you the best of luck at, uh, at keeping the race going. Thanks, I appreciate it. It's glad, glad to talk to you today. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our episode. Make sure you come back next week to listen to our next episode. We release new episodes every Tuesday at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast player, as well as rate and review your experience. For more updates on Hydro News, check us out on social media. We're on the major players, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Rooster Talk is also online with our website, www.roostertailtalk.com. On the website, you can sign up for an email subscription list to get notifications on upcoming episodes, Hydro News, podcast updates, and much, much more. Finally, this is a free podcast to all of our listeners. And if you're really enjoying your experience and want to help us to continue to grow and expand, please donate. You can find a link to donate through PayPal on our website through the support tab. So until next time, I hope to see you at the races.